Good morning. Um, just singing that song about the presence of the Lord made me think about the people over in Africa this morning in Nakara where we have this wonderful mission that we, um, that we support and that we uh, partner with called Laban, Laban Ministries. And so I'm going to share with you about them today. And just um, on the side, Nakara, they have this tiny little church, and recently they paved part of it so that they had a floor. And they were talking about raising money, but they got the money, so we don't have to do that. But I'm looking at our floor and carpeting, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, compared to what they have. So I'm going to talk about them. Um, Jim and Nancy started this ministry. Actually, it was Jim's father, Laban, who started the ministry. And um, since then, this ministry has been going on for 83 years. And so the picture that you're seeing there is Jack, who is Nancy and Jim's son, who is now the director of the ministry, the executive director here in America. And so he handles all the support that we send over there. And we're going to um, look at some pictures in a minute. But the family next to them that show, you can see, um, you see Jim and Nancy on the far side and then Jack's family. Jack is planning to take his whole family, the five kids, his wife, and the two of them with his parents, and they're going to all go in January so that the kids can see what the, what the family has been doing all these years and what their grandfather began so many years ago. So um, they're excited about that. They also asked us to pray for them. Um, they still need support in some way for um, things like COVID vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. So uh, keep them in your prayers as they get ready to travel. So this picture, okay, so I decided that I would introduce you and all of us actually to some of these uh, wonderful pastors because the whole point of Laban Ministries is to train nationals, you saw that on the other slide, but train nationals to raise up nationals and to raise up people there about the gospel and send the gospel out. So this is the director over there and um, Pastor Mboba, he, ha he actually handles all of these things. The Bible Institute, the Women's Literacy School, the radio station that, that broadcasts all over the Congo. Um, and he also helps with the evangelistic outreaches that we've seen in the past. You've seen some pictures of how they go out and thousands of people show up. And then they just began this medical dispensary so that they can help with uh, childbirths and different things that the people in the past in, that, in those uh, remote villages that they're in um, can actually get some help. So these two pastors here, Pastor Kalasi, he is the director of church health, they call him. He's also a nurse. He has some medical background, so he's a nurse in the dispensary. But he also is the pastor of their local church. So in Nakara, they have a church, and, um, and so he's actually their pastor. And then Pastor Isaac is the, what they call the director of evangelistic strategies. Um, and he got saved through one of those evangelistic outreaches. And so it's really... Um, important to him to go back out and take the gospel. So he was trained through the Bible Institute um, at Laban, and his wife he met there, 
and she um, also has gone through the women's literacy program. So uh, they live there. They are part of that ministry, and it's just really cool. And then this next picture, I don't know if you can see it very well, but there are two pictures of Pastor Ibobo, who is the director of the Bible Institute itself. And you can get a little bit of an idea what their school looks like. You can see him standing there. You can see up at the front of that one picture um, their technology. They have a tiny sound system and a computer. Um, Anyways, you can see how many people attend. And this is... This is the Bible Institute. That's basically what that looks like. So now I want to give you a couple updates. Uh, You might remember that last year we raised money for, or we talked about giving a special offering for mattresses because they were asking us. They said that the people there, and you see that one picture of a guy holding the long um, kind of a pillow thing, that's what they used to have, and they would stuff it every week with fresh hay. And that was what they were sleeping on. But, you know, they have critters on the floor, (laughs) snakes and things. And so, anyways, they want to get them off of that. So for all of the people, 36, I think it is, 36 people that are there, I think it's gone up since then, but at that point, they wanted a mattress. So we we purchased some mattresses, it says on there. We were able to basically provide mattresses for two families, and um, we're, we're thrilled to do that. But they now have all of the mattresses that they need for everybody and for the families. So those are just some pictures of some uh, really excited people. Okay, then this is a picture of the, the two pastors that want to go from village to village. And in the past, they had to go by foot. And so it would take them all day to get there and get back. And so by getting a motorbike, they asked for these. I don't know how somebody must have told, given them the idea, but they asked for motorbikes. And so now they're able to be so much more effective and get all around the villages. So we were able to help them purchase one. They were $2,000 each. And somebody else, some other, um, some other church was able to also help them. So they got their two motorbikes. And then this is just... Um, actually a quote from Nancy that she wrote me or wrote our church and she said this is amazing news we were able to purchase 10 French study Bibles to give to our Bible Institute graduates from some years back due to the serious long shortage so they've been asking for prayer if any of you get their newsletter they're always asking for prayer for these Bibles because when somebody comes to their Bible Institute they don't have a Bible so they wanted to provide it in in the language of French. It says, as soon as more are in stock, we will continue to buy the remaining 26 needed. We were sure you who gave money toward Bibles some time back would be thrilled to hear this. So these pictures show the pastors that, that went through the program, and now they have been given this French study Bible. And so, anyways, they just wanted to share that with us. They're very thrilled about this. And so that's all the pictures that I want to share with you. And this is a picture of, again, of of, uh, Jim and Nancy. And, of course, they're moving on now to support what Jack now will be taking over in the future. So we just want to pray for them, pray for this trip that they're all taking in January. And um, 
and just pray for them. There are thousands of people that are affected through the radio ministry, through the Bible Institute, and just the evangelistic outreaches. It's a wonderful ministry, and we have a part in that. And I'm so great, grateful for that. So thank you very much. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. Laban Ministries, named after Laban. I don't understand that. I've always, I've always been confused about the name Laban. We call it Laban, named after uh, uh, Laban. Laban in the Bible was a shyster. He was a uh, conniver. He, he, he was uh, just one step dirtier than Jacob was. He was the nasty guy who tricked Jacob. So the whole thing confuses me, but I'm glad that we support them because they're doing great stuff. And I'm glad you gave the update about the mattresses. That's been the number one question I've been asked over the last two months is like, whatever happened to me? get the mattress? Did they do the mattress? So we, we've done that. I'm excited for the pastors who used to walk all that way. I hope there's no lions and stuff because if you're walking through the jungle, you're called lunch. But now that they're on motorcycles, they're called fast food. You know, it's not, man, I hope they know how to ride and I hope they keep it moving. But uh, man, I, what, what dedication, total different if you think about serving overseas compared to what we have. And we are blessed. I think Cheryl started out right. You look around and we are blessed what the Lord has given us here. We don't take that for granted, but let's, sure we, let's make sure that we take our excess that we have and bless them. Uh, who can put it to use. So let's continue to have that thought. Before I get into the message today, I got this on my desk this morning. I guess yesterday was Miguel Cabrera bobblehead day. And uh, I did not, I was not able to go. I was so swamped. I was not able to go yesterday, but uh, this was there for me. So thank you. Whoever brought me that wonderful gift. Everybody needs a bobblehead Cabrera in their office. So thank you for that. Hope that was a great time for all there at uh, home plate. Haven't heard from Jeff yet, but I'm sure we'll get an update from him, our missionary, uh, SCORE Ministries, that put that event on. And um, seniors that are graduating this year, uh, we've put a date on the calendar to recognize you and to uh, uh, kind of congratulate you and thank you. Uh, Melissa and I are putting that on this year, and we want to thank uh, and, and, and make sure that we recognize our seniors. So not next Sunday, which is Father's Day, but the following Sunday, uh, seniors, we'd like to have you here. If you still have a cap and gown, uh, Owen's getting today, right? His, his graduation's today for Lapeer. Uh, but all the seniors, I think we've got like 12 in our church family. We'd love to have you participate, but follow the instructions we sent you in an email so we can get information about you, put it on the screen. We want that cute baby picture and maybe your senior picture we can put side by side. And then uh, the information on the form so that we know what to uh, say about you that morning. And to just plan on being here. We're doing something different this year. You're all going to love this. Uh, we're going to do a, a little meet the senior fellowship after church. We only have one service. So I've instructed some people to help me and they've done it. Uh, they've ordered three sheet cakes or four sheet cakes. And so after church on the 25th, we're going to grab a piece of cake and walk around the lobby where we'll have tables and all the seniors will be there. And you can go and, and congratulate them, uh, Oakwood family, and do our best there uh, congratulating those seniors. So let's look forward to that as a church. And seniors, please participate in that. We really want you to be involved. 
We are starting a brand new series, four weeks, and it's called Gifted, a study on the spiritual gifts. I was supposed to start a whole new series, something different, but this became something out of Romans chapter 12 that sparked some interest. People said, we should do more on this. We should talk more about the spiritual gifts. And so I'm going to take four weeks, and I'm going to preach through a biblical understanding of your spiritual giftedness. I'll make the statement before we even pray this morning, if you are a believer, if you put your faith in Jesus, ask him to save you of your sin. Immediately you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells in you. And with that Holy Spirit indwelling in you, you were gifted with spiritual gifts or a gift. You can have more than one. Um, Usually you have a primary spiritual gift. And the point is we want you to know about your giftedness. Um, Sometimes churches get ugly about uh, misuse of a spiritual gift, but I'm telling you, if you're not using your spiritual gifts, that's the ultimate misuse. Somebody give me an amen for that. All right, so we want to make sure you're serving in your giftedness and understanding that. So we'll start uh, pretty simple this morning. We'll move into explaining the gifts. And then at the end of the series, I'd like to be able to do a, a gifts assessment so that you can know what your spiritual giftedness is and know how to plug that in. Spiritual gifts are meant to be used in the body of the church. We're going to look at that this morning. So that's where we'll be going for four weeks. Let's pray it in. Let's pray this morning. Would you say this prayer? You don't have to say anything out loud. But just say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, we pray that you would be glorified. We pray that everyone hearing this would be edified. And we pray that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have to move Miguel. I'm sorry. I just can't preach with Miguel. Especially with him bobbling and everything. I don't want that. On the screen, you'll see the, the title, Gifted, A Study on Spiritual Gifts. I chose uh, an interesting passage to be our theme passage, but I want it to be our thought as we get into this series. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. I'd encourage you to open a, uh, your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there are some underneath the seats that you can use and you can take home if you don't have a Bible. They're a gift for you. Uh, but if you have a gadget, you can turn your gadget on and get to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today, but our theme for the whole passage, the whole series, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2. I want to read that out loud with you this morning. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I want to put our context together for the spiritual gifts. There's so much confusion. There's so much confusion. And uh, controversy. I knew there was another C. Confusion and controversy when it comes to the spiritual gifts. 
There's been so much said and so much taught. And to be honest with you, a lot of what you hear on the spiritual gifts are man's ideas. And I like man's ideas looking at this passage. Some people have really organized the gifts uh, in certain ways, and I like to utilize that. But honestly, it means nothing if you yourself don't study scripture, find out your role in this body of Christ and serve in your strengths. That's what we're trying to do. And and we always pick on the the gifts that we see misused the most. This passage starts out with if you speak with tongues of men and of angels, two categories of tongues there. By the way, tongues when used in scriptures is logos. It's an actual language. It's not just some uncontrolled utterance. But it says if you have the gift of speaking in tongues in men, men's language or angelic language, I won't even get into that because that's hard to understand. But if you do all that, but you have not love, you're just a, ooh, missed. You're just a clanging gong and a clanging cymbal. You're just noise. It's just noise for nothing. Noise for nothing. But let's not pick on certain gifts. I think that's what's led to controversy. And I think that's what's led to confusion about the gifts. In this passage, it doesn't just pick on one gift. The next one it brings up is prophecy. Prophecy. Proclaiming God's truth. That's what I do. That's mine. And it says, if you have the gift of prophecy, you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith, that's another spiritual gift, faith, the gift of of trusting in God through anything and helping people to trust in God. Faith is a gift. If you have those gifts, but do not have love, you're nothing. So let's not pick on certain gifts. That's not my goal in the whole series. My goal is to look at all the gifts and find out how God is using you to serve the body. And if at any point you're rogue and you're judgmental and you're angry, you're not with love. And when you're not with love, you're just a gong. And the Bible says you're nothing. You might think you're something, but you're nothing. We really need to put in context this because I find it interesting about spiritual gifts. Some people are so strong in their spiritual gifts, but then they think that everybody ought to be doing that or something's wrong with them. You ever met somebody like them? They're gifted, and so they're like, what's wrong with all these people? How come everybody's not doing what I do? Because what I do is what God wants. You know, And that's a misuse. We're all not the same. We're all differently gifted. And so we must be careful not to judge other people based on our giftedness. If I sat around saying, what's wrong with all these people? How come none of these people can preach for 40 minutes? Well, that's not what you were called to do. Jerry, I don't want to hear you talk for 40 minutes up here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I do. I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I don't know. I look around the room and I think, You know, just because I have a gift doesn't mean it's the premier gift. And you need to know that. There is no premier gift. The problem is sometimes some of the gifts are on stage. And then that makes it seem as though some gifts are more honorable or useful. No. No. You've been gifted by God given the Holy Spirit to serve His church and you're as valuable as anyone. It doesn't have to be done from a stage to be valuable. 
And if it's not my gift, it doesn't mean it's not important. So the important thing is for us to get a grasp on these spiritual gifts and understand how to, be, how to use and utilize them. The big idea for this morning is it's a call for clarity and unity. Why? Because there's so much confusion and controversy. And like we always say at Oakwood, do not leave mad when we talk about issues. You might not totally agree with everything I have to say, but let's try to understand the spiritual gifts and use them in unity. Everybody say unity. Because that's how they're meant to be used. They're meant to be used that I have gifts, you have gifts, we all have gifts, we all use our gifts, and God gets the glory because God uses them. That's what God does. God wants me to understand my spiritual giftedness as our main point for this morning. And I want to read for you the passage. Our key passage is found in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, just three verses, one through three. Let me read it and then we'll make some comments about it. 1 Corinthians 12, one through three. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. It's interesting when Paul says something like this. Now, let's talk about gifts. He's making a very clear point to say, I want to emphasize something now. I've said some words, but now (laughs) let's talk about spiritual gifts. When you're looking at the book of 1 Corinthians, you need to understand that Paul had been writing letters. And we often forget that letters had been coming back to Paul. The people in the church at Corinth had been saying, hey, we got questions. You know, you're not here. And when you're gone, we we have questions. And so Paul has a list of questions that he's been sent, and he's covering them. And when he gets to this point, he's like, now concerning the spiritual gifts. Let's talk about spiritual gifts. Why? Because they wanted to know. They have some questions about giftedness and how they're to be used in the church. Here's what he says about gifts. I don't want you to be uninformed. Some of your versions could be ignorant. And I want to stop there and say Paul's not being rude. Whenever Paul looks at an audience and he says, listen, I don't want you to be dumb. <laughs> he, he, he's not meaning that to be putting people down. It actually is the Greek term agnosia, where we get the word agnostic. Agnosticism means not knowing. There are people that simply say, I am not a Christian, I'm not an atheist. I just don't think you can know if there's a God, or I don't think if you can know God Himself. I, I don't think you can know. And so I don't know. That makes you an agnostic. You're not saying you don't, there is no God. You're not saying there is a God. You're just saying we have no ability to know. There's a lot of people in our world today that are agnostic. It means without knowledge. So the word ignorant can be used, but it's not meant to be derogatory. It's simply meant to be you're uninformed. You haven't been told yet. So Paul is saying, now about the gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed, so I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So he's going to clear up confusion. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Paul takes them back before they were saved, before they received the Holy Spirit. And he says, remember when you were pagans, you had no God. You actually, for some reason or another, started worshiping dumb idols. The word dumb there means dumb, mute. We've changed the word dumb to mean something different. But the word dumb meant and does mean the inability to speak. Paul's saying you actually worshiped and prayed and talked to Things that had no ability to respond because they're not real. 
That's how you used to be because you were uninformed. So then he says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That's our passage for this morning. And I want to get into it and talk about it. I brought my clubs. It's not because I have them around after church today. I haven't even touched them. I actually couldn't find them yesterday. I couldn't find my golf clubs. I started getting nervous. I thought somebody broke in my garage and stole them. They were in my golf hard shell carrying case from back in February. That tells you how much I golf. I haven't touched them since I got my hole in one, by the way. (laughs) With this club right here. I love my pitching iron. I love standing on a green, you know, on a, on a tee and looking at the green and knowing it's 115 yards. Perfect. Three-quarter swing. Mm, I'm going to open up my hips and I'm just going to let this club do all the work. And I'm... Wah! But you know, golf clubs are an interesting thing. There's a bunch of them in the bag. And they serve a purpose. Whether or not you golf doesn't matter this morning, but... If I went to tee off on a 550-yard hole, par 5, Joe, and you saw me pull this out of my bag, what would you be thinking? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. I think every golfer who's ever golfed has probably tried it at least once, tried to hit a ball off the tee. Yeah, I know you laughed because you did it, didn't you? The putter is not for teeing off. The putter is not, and, and those of you who have done that before used this club wrongly and just said, I wonder how far I can hit my, my putter, you know, and you, how many of you have broken the head off your putter? I've done that. You, hit the, you try to hit the you drive with your putter, it breaks the thing right off. Oh, that's not good. Why? The putter, it's going to blow your mind. Did you get notes? You probably ought to write this down. The putter, it's for putting. Thank you. I'm not charging much, $90 for an hour of lessons. Putter is for putting. There's another club in my bag. It's got the letter S on it. S stands for shoot. No, it doesn't. S means sand. If you ever get in the sand in a golf course, hopefully around the green, hopefully not one of those fairway bunkers, but if you're in the sand, you get the sand wedge out. I don't want to get too geeky on you, but the sand wedge is just made for it. It's got this big, broad, uh, flat spot that's supposed to hit that sand, right? And the leading edge is supposed to just go into the sand enough. You're supposed to take a dollar bill size thing of sand. You know, you put the ball in the middle, right on the face of the, the dollar bill, and you start back where that dollar bill starts, and you take that sand, and it just cuts under the sand, and it throws the sand in the ball. It's beautiful. Never works, but it's beautiful. (laughs) But again, I don't take my putter out. If I get in the sand by the green, I I don't take my putter out for that job because it's, some people do. Some people hate the sand so much they'll try their putter. But it's not meant for that. There's so many clubs in this bag. I've got special ones. My lob wedge. Oh, there's a love-hate relationship with you. It's copper. It's different than any club in my bag because every time I pull it out, I know you're different. You're different. Sometimes you throw the ball beautifully up high and land soft. Sometimes you skull across and almost kill people. Oh, 
I only pull this out when I'm confident. And then I've got a club that nobody else has. It's called my Chipper Club. It's probably a 1950-something club. And it's just meant for when you're just off the green but in grass and you want to get that ball rolling a little bit. I love my chipper. I love it. Some people have double-sided chippers in case that you need to hit left-handed or right-handed shots. That's what, those are kind of cool, but not, not as nice as my chipper. Why am I saying all this? Well, number one, I miss golf. I wish I had time. But a lot like the spiritual gifts. You're created and given gifts designed for something. Not using your gifts at all would be a shame. But misusing your gifts would be a tragedy as well. Or forcing a gift that you do not have would be not effective either. It's a lot like golf clubs. They're designed for a purpose. You've been designed for a purpose. That's why Paul says about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Just don't be, don't be totally unfull of knowledge. Don't be lacking knowledge when it comes to what the Spirit's doing in your life and through you. So that's our goal today. Three quick things from this passage, one verse at a time. And by the way, I want to give Alistair Begg the credit. He's a pastor in Cleveland. Uh, I listened to so many people talk about spiritual gifts. I loved Alistair Begg on spiritual gifts. I encourage you to look it up. Uh, but he had a three-point outline that I loved. It's, I'm taking the points I'm using in my own material, but I'm using Alistair Begg's outline. Number one, he says verse one in this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, is the information required. You just need to be informed. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, so I'm going to inform you. So there's information that's required. We need to have a call for clarity and unity. There's no need for division. So we look at the gifts and we learn. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. I want to use that as a jumping off point here. It says there... So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to take a back step there and look at that again. Unity in the faith, where does that come from? Well, he gave some people gifts of leadership. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To do all the ministry. (laughs) We're the professionals. So we do everything. So you guys can just sit back and do nothing. No, that's not what it says. You have pastors and teachers, administrators in the church. Why? To equip you to do acts of service. You're in ministry. Again, it's not about the stage. We're all in this and you're all serving. So it's my job and the elder's job and leader's job to equip you to serve in your giftedness. But how do we mature? Because maturity is, is a big part of this. What does it say? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What makes you mature? Using your gifts as if they were the most important gifts and judging other people? No. No. What makes you mature? Knowing Jesus. Period. You need to focus on knowing Jesus more and more. 
If you focus on knowing Jesus more and more, you'll effectively be growing in your faith. Then, verse 14, we will no longer be infants. Why does he use the word infants? Well, he's talking about uninformed. Guess what? Infants are uninformed. That's what they are. God gives you families these little sponges, right? And he expects you to train them up in the way of the Lord. You've got to give them knowledge. Wouldn't it be a shame if if an infant never received any kind of input, right? They end up going to school and the teacher's like, okay, which one's red? What's red? That's a color. What's a color? I mean, you guys have so much to take an infant who has no knowledge and start informing them. Paul says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Oh, I love this. Stick with me, okay? Everybody with me? Wake up a little bit this morning because I don't want you to miss this. This passage is beautiful speaking about the giftedness of the body of Christ. And it talks about knowing Jesus. You need to know something about Jesus. When Jesus was here in body, his body incarnate, you know, when he was here as mankind, that's what that means. He was born in Bethlehem, but he he grew. And we see his ministry. Guess what Jesus' giftedness was? Can anybody guess what Jesus' giftedness was? All of them. (laughs) In Christ, we have the perfection of all the gifts. I don't want to do it because I don't have time today, but just take a look through the Gospels and you can see him doing this, then this, then this. You see leadership, speaking, healing. You see all these sorts of things. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of all spiritual gifts. It's perfection. He's the only one ever, by the way. Some of you are like, yeah, now we're talking. That's what I, I've got all the gifts. I've got the whole bag. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're not Jesus. But we grow to be like Jesus, and then guess what? None of you are going to grow to be perfect in every one of the spiritual gifts. So God does this beautiful thing. He puts us in the body. Everybody say body. But it's the body of who? Christ. So guess who has all the gifts in perfection? The church. Everybody say church. Are you starting to follow me here in this beautiful understanding of gifts? See, Jesus' body incarnate, perfect giftedness. But we're Jesus' body corporate. The ministry of Jesus is manifested through us together. Everybody say together. Now let's break out into a musical. We're all in this together. Okay. All right. We're in this together because alone we don't have the perfection of Jesus. But we are complete perfection because the Holy Spirit has gifted us together. I've said it over and over again. Oakwood has everything it needs. I believe that. I believe that. Oakwood has everything it needs to be effective for Christ. How do I know that? Because God's in charge, not PD. And God gave the Holy Spirit to all of you. 
And so all together we serve and we are the body of Christ. Like Christ was in body when he was here serving. Does that make sense? See, these are tools. These are tools. God gives you different abilities and function. This is my favorite seven wood. Don't look at it too carefully because it's really old. And you know what? It's my wife's club. I stole it out of her bag. I was playing one day and I had to, I had to hit a high wood shot and, and I found a seven wood in her bag. And I'm like, let me try that. Flushed it. That's making the gong. Okay. Is that what it is? The bass? Okay. I knew something was going on. Yeah, sorry. Alec, I'm playing your bass up here. All right. The seven wood is a beautiful thing. I actually, uh, I don't even know if she knows this, but I extended it three inches and put a new grip on it so it would be my height. She can't use it anymore. (laughs) It's mine. Because I love this club, man. You know what this club is? It's a tool. It's a tool for a specific shot. But you know what? Tools are meant to be used, and tools are not toys, right? And if you have golf clubs at home and you've seen your wife take one out to, to like, pound a nail in or something, <laughs> have you ever seen that? Or not stop picking on wives, and, he, and you see your teenager, you know, trying to pounce, and you're like, no, that's my tool. It's not a toy. Right? It's a tool for the right use. Not hammering nails. There's other tools for that. It's a tool, not a toy to be played with. And let me tell you this too, your spiritual gifts, it's a tool, not a trophy. And that's where confusion and controversy has come. People have argued about the gifts. My gift's more important. My gift's special. It's like a trophy people carry around. Look what I have. You don't have the, I have the, and that's not in love. Love means selflessness. So none of the gifts can be used selfishly or they're not done in love and you're just a gong or nothing. (laughs) See how this is all coming together? It's about Jesus and the perfection of Jesus and we as the body of Christ, we don't have that alone. We don't even have that in small groups. We have it when the whole body comes together. So let me just say, this is a good point for me to stop and tell you as a pastor. We need you. We need you. It's not like I, I, I just want you to be here hanging out. No, I'm telling you, as a church, we need you. Because God made you and you are what we need to have completion and perfection. So we need you. And we need you all in. That's the hard part. As a church, you need to understand, we can't just, we can't just get by when you come and only uh, maybe come on Sunday mornings for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. I mean, that, that's not enough. It's not enough for you to be growing spiritually, knowing Christ more. It's not enough to be serving. So we need people that are all in. Tools for God to use. And then he goes to verse two, which is superstition recalled. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by dumb idols. They can't even talk back. In this, Paul was reminding them about ecstasy and sensuality. It's wrong thinking. I've got to stop and inform you of this. It's a good study. Corinth was an incredibly sensual town. Uh, Corinth was known for ecstasy, uh, being ecstatic, being whipped into frenzies. Uh, it was all about sensuality. There was all sorts of, of sexual perversion, especially when it came to worshiping gods. 
They had prostitutes. They had church prostitutes that people could come to worship their God by paying for a prostitute. And there's nothing more spiritual than ecstasy and sensuality. And so they would feel this sense of euphoricness, right? And then that sense of euphoria was supposed to be spiritual. Man, don't forget that the, the spirit of the Lord is true and he's in you, but Satan likes to be an imitator. And he will try to imitate spirituality using your sensuality. Don't fall for it. And Paul was telling them, hey, remember when you were pagans? And then he reminded them about society and how it had snuck into the church. By the way, if you look down a little bit later, I think it's in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 5. I thought I wrote it down somewhere. 1 Corinthians 5, I think it was, something through 8. Um, He had to deal with sexuality being misused in the church. So ecstasy and sensuality were all about the day. And so I'm sure that people are writing Paul saying about the spiritual gifts. We got some people that are, are, are trying to say that their gifts whip people into a frenzy and there's an ecstatic state and that's true spiritualism. Be careful of that. It's still happening today. People whipping people into frenzies. I don't know if you've ever seen people running through aisles and slain in the spirit and stuff. Be careful with that because it is true. The spirit does work, but there's two things at work. It's either the, the devil or the Lord, and the devil can use what he sees the Holy Spirit doing. So we must understand counterfeit from reality, and we ought to be careful that our bottom line isn't, does it whip me into some kind of a frenzy? I love worship. I hope you love worship. But our goal is not to whip you into some kind of euphoric state. But we hope that you do get into a state of worship. Happens to worship leaders when they're supposed to lead the next song. And I'm so moved by the last song, I can't think straight. Right? But it's not meant to move you into some euphoric state. Be careful of that. If that's what you come for, and you're hoping we do that, then you're going to be let down. Because we're not into just misusing your emotions. It's not what this is all about. It's not like spiritual gifts are all about. There's wrong thinking. And Paul brings it out. Once you were pagans, and this is how the pagans live. Ecstasy and sensuality is the main thing. And it's not. You see, I'm sure their writing was people think that the, the dramatic was divine. Dramatic equals divine. People are saying that it worked, so it must be wonderful. <laughs> And people were saying it was powerful, so it must have been profitable. Those are not good standards. Just because it's dramatic doesn't mean it's divine. It can be misused. People can use drama to work people into something. It worked. Well, be careful. Pragmatism isn't always the bad. I like pragmatism in a lot of cases, but pragmatism isn't the bottom line. Well, it worked. So it must be wonderful. No, be careful with that. Powerful! Oh, what a powerful experience. I've had people come to me quite a bit and say, PD, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And to be honest with you, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Be careful what you come for because if you get it and then you come back the next week and you don't get that, you're disappointed. And guess what has to happen? And this is what's happening all across the country, all across the world. Pastors feel the need to live up to the expectations. So the Holy Spirit moves and people come on their knees and bow at the altar. That's a wonderful thing if the Holy Spirit moves in that. But the next week, people are like, last week, seven people came. 
They knelt by the altar. This week only three. What a disappointment. No. No, let's not be. And I'm not going to be that pastor that says we're going to have to have a dramatic ending every week in order for you guys to be whipped into a frenzy so you'll come back the next week expecting more and then it has to keep going. Oh, it's been so out of whack. The church has gotten out of whack when it comes to these things. Bottom line, verse two, don't bring worldly baggage to your religious experience. I'm not going to ask who went to Taylor Swift. We probably got some Swifties here. It's all right, not judging, not judging. I just don't have the money to go. (laughs) It's quite expensive. Uh, You know, I heard she sang 44 songs in her set. God bless her. God bless 44 songs. Whoa. You know, we got three in a song set and people are like, it's so long. So long. Pastor, we need a break. Can we sit down for a little bit? Oh my goodness. 44 songs. And I guarantee she was great. I guarantee she whipped that crowd into a frenzy. That's her job. But that's the world. And it's a different thing. If you come to church and think, oh, what a letdown. Taylor Swift was awesome. PD's just, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, the, probably shouldn't say this, but you get what you pay for. <laughs> if you're coming to church to tip when you pay $1,000 to see, uh, you know, guess which one's going to be better? Yeah, I mean, she's got a lot of stuff with her equipment and a lot of her, I mean, yeah, it's going to be great. And I'm not doubting that. I've gone to concerts. I love my concerts. Mark, me and you are concert guys. We love concerts and I better go get a good show. But the church is not a show. Church is not a show. And we must not bring worldly baggage into our expectations for worship. Can't do it. So the gifts, back to the gifts. So what does that mean? We don't use just the special gifts to work people into a frenzy. We use the gifts wisely. We don't want to bring worldliness into it. Lastly, the next explanation received. This is blows my mind. He says, you can't say Jesus be cursed from the Spirit of God. And you can't say, Jesus is Lord, accept the Holy Spirit. What's he saying here? Well, Paul is saying there's an objective standard. The objective standard is know Jesus properly. While I tell you to learn the spiritual gifts, I'm telling you what's more important is know Jesus. Know Jesus as your Savior. Grow in that relationship with Him and you'll understand more the more you understand Jesus. Again, we're His body. We're replicating what He was. And, and by the way, doesn't it blow your mind? What was it, John? What, what's that verse in John? John 14, 12 through 14. I gotta read it for you. This is Jesus saying, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Did you hear that? He just said what I said earlier. He said, I've been doing some stuff. But now you're going to be doing some stuff. Why? Because he's going to be gone. What did he say then? You've been doing, you'll do the works that I've been doing. And they will, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, while I was here, I served, I did ministry. And I was effective, but I'm leaving now. In my place is the church. The body of Christ in all its fullness. And this blows my mind. You will do even greater things in my name. Wow. I've never really grasped that because I've always thought, nah, he didn't mean that. He was just overstating. We can't do better than Jesus. You know what Jesus was saying? You better. 
I was one from heaven, but I've got an army of people now all over the globe. And together with their giftedness and the Holy Spirit, woo! The effectiveness. So I do believe it. I believe Jesus was serious when he said, you need to do what I was doing. It'll take all y'all. And when you do it, whoo! The power, the noumena, which is the Holy Spirit, numinous, the power there. So there's an objective standard. And the, the test for spiritual giftedness is doctrinal. It's doctrinal. Do you know Jesus? Do you know God? Focus on those things. What does that verse say? That verse says, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So the test for spiritual gifts is doctrine. Do you know God? And the obvious consequence is rejection for those that don't know him. If you don't know Jesus, then you'd have no gifts because you have no Holy Spirit and you're not saved. You're not born again. You're not living a new life. You're still dead in your sins. How do we know this? In Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, pulpit, and in your name drive out demons, special giftedness, and in your name perform many miracles, special giftedness, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. In Matthew chapter 7, we learn that there's going to be many believers that go to heaven someday and they stand before a holy God and God's going to say, who's paying for the sin? And they're going to be, what are you talking about? We did great things. I preached about you. I did healing services and I did all this and did this and I saw miracles. And God's like, gong. <laughs> You're just a clanging gong and a clashing cymbal. You're just noisy. But we did dramatic stuff. Dramatic stuff is not the test of true spirituality. God does all things well and in order. And the Bible teaches us about spiritual gifts. And it's not based on spectacularness. Spectacular giftedness does not equal spiritual greatness is what I want to end with. So as we get into spiritual gifts, you're like, oh man, what is he going to preach about spiritual gifts? I'll get to it the next two weeks, talking specifically about the gifts, try to explain to you the spiritual gifts that we see in scripture. But right from the get-go, you need to know a couple of things. Number one, if you're saved, you've been gifted. We should know how to use our gifts in the body of Christ to be effective, to serve. But spectacular giftedness does not equal spiritual greatness. Some people are going to end up in heaven someday saying, I did great things. And God's going to say, but I never knew you. Why? Because the test is doctrinal. The test is, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Have you been saved? So the conclusion today is simply this. I'll have the team come up and join me. God has blessed every believer with spiritual giftedness to effectively serve in the body of Christ. I believe it's true. God desires us to utilize our spiritual giftedness with clarity and unity instead of confusion and controversy. Oh, don't let this series uh, drive a wedge. 
don't let this series cause more confusion or controversy. Let it be a call to unity. Let it be a call to clarity. Use your giftedness as God would have you use your giftedness. I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, close in prayer. But as I close in prayer, I'm going to invite parents of children in Sunshine Park and in the children's ministries to go ahead and go and get your kids uh, and then make your way back here. We want to start our meeting 11.35, around 11.35. So go ahead, if you're parents, go ahead and find your way out. Oh, no. There it is. Let me pray for us as we make that transition. Father God, I thank you for what you've given us in the Holy Spirit. I thank you for what you gave us in your son, Jesus Christ, to see his giftedness at work. And then God, help us to be that body of Christ. Help us to be your hands and your feet. And God, help us to be effective using all the spiritual gifts. I pray this in Jesus' name.